of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you believe that you are a sinner? Yes, I believe I am a sinner. And how do you know this? From the Ten Commandments, these I have not kept. Are you sorry for your sins? Yes, I am sorry that I have sinned against God. And what have you deserved of God by your sins? His wrath and displeasure, temporal death and eternal damnation. And do you also hope to be saved? Yes, such is my hope. In whom then do you trust? In my dear Lord Jesus Christ. And what then has Christ done for you that you trust in him? He died for me and shed his blood for me on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And did the Father also die for you? He did not, for the Father is God only, the Holy Spirit likewise, but the Son is true God and true man. He died for me and shed his blood for me. And how do you know these things are true? From the Holy Gospel and from the words of the sacrament and by his body and blood, given as a pledge in the sacrament. You believe then that the true body and blood of Christ are in the sacrament? Yes, I believe. And what induces you to believe this? The word of Christ, take ye, this is my body. Drink ye all of it, this is my blood. What ought we do when we eat his body and drink his blood and thus receive the pledge? We ought to remember and proclaim his death and the shedding of his blood as he has taught us. This do as oft as he drinketh in remembrance of me. And what was it that moved him to die and to make satisfaction for your sins? His great love to his Father and to me and other sinners. Finally, why do you wish to go to the sacrament? that I may learn to believe that Christ died for my sin out of great love as before said, and that I may learn of him to love God and my neighbor. Let us then confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Holy and gracious God, I confess to you that I have sinned in thought, word, and deed by my fault, by my own fault, by my own most grievous fault. Wherefore I pray that for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, you have mercy on me, forgive me all my sins, and bring me to everlasting life. Upon this your confession, I by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, in this wondrous sacrament, you have left us a remembrance of your passion. Grant that we may so receive the sacred mystery of your body and blood, that the fruits of your redemption may continually be manifest in us. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
the Old Testament reading for this Holy Thursday from the 31st chapter of the prophet Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them even on to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle lesson for Holy Thursday from the 10th chapter of Hebrews, verses 15 through 25. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us then draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as we see the day of redemption drawing nigh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
stand in respect of Christ of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 22nd chapter. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And so Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of this house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went, and they found it, just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table with them. And the apostles were also there with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
account from St. Luke's Gospel, his account of the institution of the Lord's Supper, especially these words, in the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Grace and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends in our Lord Jesus Christ. In his book entitled Written in Blood, author Robert Coleman tells the story of a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion badly. The doctor explained that she had the very same disease that her brother, the boy, had recovered from just two years prior. Her only chance for recovery was a transfusion from someone who'd previously overcome this particular Disease, And since the two children, the brother and sister, were of the same rare blood type, little Johnny was the perfect and the ideal donor for his sister. So the doctor asked Johnny, would you be willing to give your blood for Mary? And Johnny hesitated and his lower lip started to tremble, but he he forced a brave smile. And he said, okay, for my sister. And soon the two were wheeled into the hospital room, Mary pale thin, Johnny robust and healthy. Neither of them spoke, but when their eyes met, Johnny grinned at his sister in a gesture of brotherly assurance. As the nurse inserted the needle into his arm, Johnny's smile that he'd forced upon his face quickly faded. He watched his blood flow through the the tubing to begin to make its way over to his sister. Well, with the ordeal now almost over his voice, slightly shaky, Johnny broke the silence and he said, Doctor, when do I die? Touching account, what a brother won't do for his sister. Well, you know well that in a transfusion, Johnny didn't have to die to give his blood to his sister. But the Bible and the richness of all of its pages is filled with the reality that to save life, truly to save it, life has to be lost. Blood has to be shed. Endless lambs and goats and rams struck down in the stead of those who lived to watch them fall. None of which, though, in itself saved a single life, but each of which prepared individuals for the day when the singularly perfect and the alone chosen Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, would die so that those who believe upon him could live. But then what of this meal? What of this meal, this meal instituted by Christ on this night? As the children of God's people have been asking since the first Passover meal, why do we do these things, Father, in this meal? What's meant by this meal, this service, this ritual? In other words, why do we need this supper? Well, we need this supper for the very same reason that little Mary needed that blood transfusion. Because we're sick. We're sin sick. Very likely you know it's a problem for you or you wouldn't be here tonight. Perhaps you think it's not that serious of a problem. A problem for you. Maybe you don't think it's much of a problem at all. Physicians and health awareness spokesmen, they say it all the time. You hear it on television. You see it on television. They say if you have this symptom or that symptom, you are or could be at risk of this or that. 
They say, have it checked out immediately. Speak with your physician, and so often we do. Well, there are symptoms of sin sickness too, aren't there? Do the things, for instance. Do the things that you do cause red eyes from the crying or the discomfort or irritation or the sharp pain that you've caused in the lives of others? Do you find that even the good that you would do, that you don't do? And that which you don't want to do, those are the very things that you end up doing? Do you find daily that you're aging? And that if this trend continues, you, like the countless gone before, will one day die? Symptoms. Did you answer the question at the beginning of this hour, as we were answering the the Christian questions and answers, did you answer the question, do you believe you're a sinner, in the affirmative? Well, you should. Well, we all should, for we are indeed sin sick. 18th century Englishman John Newton, you know him best probably for the hymns that he's written. Glorious things of thee are spoken, amazing grace. John Newton knew his malady. In a poem he once wrote, Physician of my sin sick soul, to thee I bring my case, my raging malady, control. And heal me by thy grace. It lies not in a single part, but through my frame is spread. A burning fever in my heart, a palsy in my head. A thousand evil thoughts intrude tumultuous in my breast, which indispose me for my food and rob me of my rest. Maybe you know the effects of the symptoms. Maybe you felt these very things Newton felt. Sin, sickness. If you're still unsure whether or not you're sin-sick, then the good Dr. Luther has a reliable and surefire and a final test. He says, grab your flesh and feel it. And if it's there, then be assured that you belong to the race called men, which Scripture says, since the day it fell into sin, is infected with sin's deadly condition. For Scripture says, death spread to all men, because all sinned. Sin sickness. There's a medicine for our condition, though. You know it. It starts working immediately. There's no limit to the the number of times this medicine can be applied to you. In fact, the good physician who supplies it, and at no cost to you who, who gives it, encourages you to use it repeatedly. Often, he says. I'm talking, of course, about Christ's blood. Blood shed when he died on the cross for the forgiveness of all the sin of all the world. What do the apostles say of this blood of Christ Jesus? Paul says, in Christ we have redemption through this blood. The forgiveness of sins, he writes to the Ephesians. To the Colossians, he says, in Christ God has made peace through the blood of his cross. To the Romans, Paul says, we now have been justified in his blood. St. John wrote in very medicinal language, it would seem, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Doesn't, Doesn't it sound medicinal? Cleansing. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. St. Peter wrote, you were not ransomed with perishable things like silver or gold. 
but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Precious. It's a good word to use in describing the blood of Christ. For us who are sin sick, indeed it is precious. More precious than Mary's rich blood, rather than Johnny's rich blood was for sick Mary. But in much the same way that Johnny's blood had to be delivered from him, the source, to Mary, the recipient, by means, in their case, the surgical or the, or the medical tubing that carried that blood in the transfusion, Christ also delivers his blood and the health and the richness of it and all that his blood contains to us through chosen means. Certainly his word, baptism, they create faith within us. His word sustains faith within us and in Christ's saving work and in his blood. But I tell you, neither of these bring to you and to your mouth and to your lips the very the actual blood and the resurrected body of Jesus Christ like this supper does. This supper is in many ways like its predecessor, the Passover. Recall that in the first Passover, the blood of the unblemished lamb, it's applied to the doorposts, isn't it? Applied to the doorposts of God's people so that death would pass them over. Recall that in seeing the Lamb's blood applied to their dwellings, the people would by it be encouraged to trust in God's promise of deliverance to them. For as Moses said to them, the Lord would tell his people, and I quote, now the blood shall be a sign for you in the houses where you are. In other words, it's not for my benefit, God said, it's for your benefit. That it might enable you to continue to trust that I will deliver you as I said I would. Well, in this meal, that you tonight receive something greater than the Passover is here. In this meal, the perfect Lamb of God slain for us applies His blood again to the doorposts of our hearts, this dwelling, that we might be encouraged by it and know that eternal death has passed us over. It's passed us over already in a way that's just as real as death passing over God's people 3,500 and more Passover nights ago. But this meal for us is far more than just a reminder, a memorial. In this meal, Christ himself through his body and his blood bears to you and to me all the spoils of his cross. Luther summed them up as forgiveness, life, salvation. In considering the contents of this meal, I'm reminded of something from a former parish in which I served. One particular Sunday morning, not long after I'd arrived, in the context of the service at the offering, in the time in which it's done here too, I was preparing the elements for communion. And as I, as I had done for some weeks now since I'd arrived, the silver covers had been removed and placed aside, and I lifted the, the, the small pitcher in which the communion wine waits, and I began to pour it into the communion chalice, the, the silver cup. And as the wine began filling the chalice, something caught my eye that I hadn't seen before. It's not that it hadn't been there before, I just hadn't seen it there before. It had been there all along. 
There in the wine of the communion chalice, I saw the reflection of what was up on the wall in front of me, high upon the wall in front of the altar, a big and a beautiful crucifix, a cross with Christ's body on it, reflecting down in the cup of communion. What a beautiful image that was, and something I remembered thereafter each time I filled that communion chalice. The artist Raphael, who painted your bulletin cover here, the image used on your bulletin cover, he saw that image too, not not the one that I saw, but in faith he saw the same image, Christ's blood in the cup, because in the image that's included on your bulletin cover, the, the, the piece of art that he painted, he has angels collecting in chalices for communion the blood, the drops of blood of Christ from his cross. In faith he saw it too, you see it too in faith. When you come here and receive that blood, you see it poured into the chalice. When the chalice comes to your lips, you know what's in that cup, the contents of communion, Christ's cross, and all that it's won for you. It's a wonderful food, a wonderful medicine, this supper. And indeed it can be called that. It has been called a medicine. Since earliest times, it's been called the medicine of immortality. It's a medicine, a remedy for the weak and the weary and the sin-sick soul. But a warning to those who use this medicine. Like the best medicines, indeed, this medicine too can bring health and does to the one in need. And at the same time, it can be harmful if not taken according to the good physician's direction. And in Scripture, the good physician is clear with his prescription. If you don't believe in the ingredients, if you don't believe in the saving effect, if you don't believe that the body and blood of Christ were given and shed on Calvary's cross for you, and in this meal, this very body and blood of Christ delivers the the benefits of the cross to you, then this medicine's not yet received to its God-intended benefit, but to ill effect says the good physician. Christ longs that all who would receive it would receive it unto their good. Indeed, didn't he die so that they would? Tonight you've heard why this meal is needed. You and I were sin sick. You've heard what it is in this meal that brings such good to us. It's the very body and the blood of Jesus Christ, the Almighty God, Bearing to you forgiveness and spiritual life and sustaining it. Let me lastly tell you tonight why you can be so sure that all that this meal is said to be and said to bring already belongs to you who believe in it. And it has to do with the word Christ used, testament. See, it's not at all coincidental that Jesus instituted this meal just hours before he died. Neither was it incidental that Jesus used the words New Testament, new in this case, in the Greek, not meaning something that has never been before, but new in a, in a fresh sense. But he uses the word here, testament, in describing what, what this is. You've heard the word testament, no doubt, before, certainly in the churchly context, Old Testament, New Testament. But beyond that, you've heard it time and again. And you hear it all the time. And in fact, you may have a bit of personal familiarity with it if you've ever spent any time 
contemplating or drafting your last will and testament. A testament, according to the dictionary, is a legal statement providing for the desired dispersal of one's own personal property. In other words, it's when a dying man bequeaths his possessions, his personal property, to his legally defined heirs. But here's the catch of necessity. A testament has no power unless the one who wills it has died. Did you know that that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews says? And I quote him here. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead. Since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Friends. The one who loved you and who willed to you his heirs as your inheritance all that belongs to him, eternal life, salvation, heaven's treasures, he has died. He has died. We mark it tomorrow. He died and in so doing he set this new testament, this fresh testament into effect for you. And the wonder of it all is that the one who died wouldn't remain dead. But would rise so that he himself would bring to you all of the benefits of this new testament. Even in a cup. In his blood. He said this cup is the new testament in my blood. And so friends take and eat it, take and drink his body and his blood, hear his word, recall that you yourself have been made heirs in baptism so that you might ever believe in him. Last word from Dr. Luther who said it this way, Christ, having before his death willed and ordained that his gospel be preached after his death in all the world, thereby gave to all who believe as their possession everything he had. This included his life, in which he swallowed up death, his righteousness, by which he blotted out sin, and his salvation, with which he overcame everlasting damnation. You see, friends, as the choir sang in our gradual, he is the mediator of the New Testament by means of his death, that those who are called, you, may receive the promise of your everlasting inheritance. This meal you need. By this meal and the faith it sustains, you live. Through this meal, Christ in his own flesh and blood, he delivers to you, his heirs, the riches of all that he has. And it's yours. The meal is prepared. Come, taste, and see that your Lord is good. A blessed Monday, Thursday to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Almighty God, through the sacrificial death of your Son, you've atoned for the sins of the whole world. Grant now through his death the forgiveness of sins to his people, that which Christ has made the tree of life, even the forgiveness of sins, might indeed be granted unto us as our inheritance. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O gracious Father, through the sublime mystery of your supper, strengthen us in faith toward you and in fervent love toward each other, and enable us to always confess with our lips what we believe in our hearts, that in this holy sacrament, the once spoken words of your Son, this is my body, this is my blood, would cause his very body and blood to be present here and truly received. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Holy Spirit, keep us in Christ, the bread of life, and feed us with this heavenly manna throughout the days of our earthly sojourn, until we, by your sustaining, sustaining grace, reach the promised land to there be partakers of the heavenly feast for which this supper prepares us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be, O God, of comfort with those who struggle against sin. Be also with those who are afflicted with bodily ailments of any kind. Be with those who are saddened by the death of loved ones. And be with and comfort those who are near death. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer, Heavenly Father. And as by your grace you gathered your disciples about your body and blood to prepare them for his place upon the cross, so bless us by your grace that we who are gathered here about your body and blood tonight may stand at the foot of your son's cross tomorrow eve and at the entrance of his tomb on Sunday morn as we commemorate these holy days and these holy events during which you gave your son for the life of the world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all glory and honor now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Lift up your hearts. We Thanks unto the Lord our God. It is the It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who accomplished the salvation of mankind by the tree of the cross, that where death arose, their life also might rise again and that the serpent who overcame by the tree of the garden might likewise by the tree of the cross be overcome. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore, praising you and saying,
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come and the holy supper of your Son's body and blood. Keep us firm in the true faith throughout our days of pilgrimage, that on the day of his coming, we may, together with all your saints, celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>